Listener Production. Hey, Katrina Blowers here with you. And in today's episode of The Briefing, Tom Tilly, you are taking us behind the curtain of the Hillsong Mega Church and giving us a bit of a look into the charismatic but extremely flawed superstar preachers who founded this church. Yeah, so I haven't talked about it too much here on The Briefing, but for the last six months I've been working on this really deep investigation with Channel 7 Spotlight program, um, looking at all the problems faced by Hillsong in the last few years. And yeah, we even go back to the 1960s to see where the problems really started back in New Zealand. This is such a wild story and one which, even though I've been following it in the news, I had no idea about the depth of this story and the cover-ups and the allegations. Uh, I was just blown away by what you found out. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was it was a fascinating story to work on and we uncovered some very intense personal stories and also, yeah, as you say there, we're able to piece together the story because often these stories happen in drips and drabs, you know. Mm. Something happens here, there, and you're not quite sure of the context and you read it in the news and get on with your daily life. But I think it's one of those ones that really benefits from the documentary treatment of being pieced together. All right, so Hillsong, what really went on behind the scenes? Tom and I are going to be chatting about that in the second half of this episode. It is Anzac Day, Tuesday, April 25. Let's get today's headlines from the Listener Newsroom. Thanks, Katrina and Tom. Now, today, Anzac Day can be a tough one for those who've served or lost loved ones. So we're being encouraged to reach out to our mates while paying respect to those who've lost their lives. Meantime, a record number of Aussies are expected to attend services across the nation. RSL National President Greg Mellick says they're expecting the biggest turnout since before the pandemic. Well, all the restrictions have gone, but there are still individuals who are placing restrictions upon themselves, especially those in compromised health. But in spite of that, we think it'll be the biggest since uh, 2019. The dawn service has gotten underway at the Australian War Memorial in Canberra, where the Governor-General has laid a wreath, while Scott Bevan has begun commemorations. We assemble here at this special place of remembrance on this day, symbolically close to the time that the first Anzacs landed on a Turkish beach during the First World War. We gather to honour their bravery. Well, PM Anthony Albanese has delivered a moving speech paying respect to those who lost their lives in the line of war. Gallipoli is just one battle in our history. In its simple truth of Australians looking out for each other, no matter how bad things got, it has come to stand for something so much bigger in our collective heart. Meantime, thousands have gathered at the Cenotaph in Sydney along with the New South Wales Premier. Chris Mintz has delivered a poem by writer Elliot Napier. Neither death nor the years can part you, nor the width of the world divide. And today, as you stand to salute them, they too will be here at your side. Aussies are also overseas for commemorations this Anzac Day, with Gallipoli expecting the biggest attendance since the centenary in 2015, while others have flown to Papua New Guinea. Pacific Minister Pat Conroy will attend two services in PNG to pay respect to those who fought in the region to keep our nation safe. We'll begin by a dawn service at Bamana War Cemetery outside Port Moresby, where 3,300 Australians are buried. It's the more than any other war cemetery in the world. And then uh, later in the day I will be attending services 
in the Kokoda truck. China has reacted to the federal government's $19 billion defence overhaul, accusing Australia of over-exaggerating Beijing's threat to the Pacific. Meantime, some within ADF circles have criticised the announcement made the day before Anzac Day, calling it insensitive to discuss war so close to when we commemorate the lives lost. In other news, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival is looking into ways it can honour the late Barry Humphreys. It follows claims that the Aussie comedian was very hurt when the show cancelled him in 2019. Speaking on the ABC, his longtime friend and entertainer Miriam Margulies says she was outraged by the decision. It's not about transgender. This was an artist, a great artist, a hugely funny, talented, witty satirist an observer of the human condition. But the festival director says that wasn't the case. His name was instead removed from an award after he made comments about transgender people, something she's standing by. And have you been skipping out on the dentist? Well, new research from Medibank shows around half of Aussies age 15 and over dodged appointments last year. Now, it's caused concern about a possible influx of claims coming from dental treatments that could have been avoided with simple twice-yearly checkups. Sporting codes are honouring our veterans this Anzac Day with matches across both AFL and NRL for the first time since the Anzac Day clash 23 years ago. Collingwood and Essendon face each other as top four rivals. And in the NRL, the Roosters and Dragons are both desperate for a win as they prepare to square off for the 21st time on Anzac Day, the Savo. After that, the Melbourne Storm hosts the Warriors. That's today's headlines from the Listener Newsroom. Tom, we are about to go super deep on Hillsong with you. Yeah, I'm in the chair today answering your questions. (laughs) All right, Tom, so for the last six months or so, probably more than that, you've been burning the candle at both ends doing this mega deep dive into Hillsong. You've been flying around, interviewing people, getting people who've never shared their stories before to talk to you. It's been incredible. Yeah, it has been an intense journey and and lots of hard work going on behind the scenes and trying to get to the absolute truth of what's happened at Hillsong, which has been through absolute turmoil in the last few years. And yeah, I've spoken to all the people you'll see in the Seven Spotlight story, but lots of unnamed sources behind the scenes that go right up to senior levels of the church as well. So I feel like I got a fairly truthful and comprehensive picture of of what's happening. Yeah, and if you want to catch that incredible story, it is on 7 Plus now. You can watch it anytime online. So, Tom, take us back in time to New Zealand and the church Frank Houston originally started. That had some pretty shady beginnings. Yeah, so we actually went to New Zealand, this town called Lower Hutt. It's just near Wellington. And I actually saw the family home where Brian Houston was raised, along with his four siblings and his parents, Frank and Hazel. And so we saw the local church that his dad was the pastor of. It was the Lower Hutt branch of a bigger network called the Assemblies of God. And the story goes that Frank Houston in the 60s took that church from 50 people to 300 quite quickly and became basically a star preacher where his success there led him to be asked to travel to many other churches around the world to come as a preacher. So 
that's what Brian Houston grew up with, with his dad as a as a big hero, seen as uh, someone bringing a lot of souls to God. And he eventually rose to the top of the Assemblies of God hierarchy in New Zealand. But as you say, years later, we learned that he was a pedophile, that he was abusing young boys in the church. And we interviewed one of his victims, David Cowdery, who explained what happened to him when he was just seven years old, that Frank Houston would go into his bedroom and molest him while the rest of the the group were in the lounge room having a prayer meeting. I just remember what I described, what I described to my parents as the black shadow coming into my room and, you know, was sexual intent. I was absolutely just so scared, I just couldn't do anything. That one year when the abuse occurred changed my life, full stop. It's so weird to me that Frank Houston was then able to come to Australia and as you said, we were, we were never told about this. Mm. Yeah, so he moved to Australia in 1977 and he told everyone at the time that he'd had this vision of, you know, harvesting these fields and God told him to come to Australia. But there were suspicions that word was getting around about his sexual deviancy because there are believed to be at least six other victims in New Zealand as well as then a high-profile victim in Australia that Frank Houston was visiting while still being based in New Zealand. But even Brian Houston has said himself that we'll never know how many victims there were. So, you know, there's so much silence around this kind of abuse. Often the victims don't even talk about it until decades later. So it's very hard to work out who knew what when. All right, let's fast forward a little bit. Brian Houston then takes the kernel of his dad's idea and expands upon it. How did a few churches become the mega church Hillsong? Yeah, so when Frank Houston did come to Australia, he started a whole new group of churches called the Christian Life Centre. And it's believed that he started up 20 different centres. So when he came to Sydney, he was incredibly successful And one of the branches that they started up was the Hills Christian Life Centre in northwest Sydney. So Brian, his son, who was also rising up as a young pastor in his 20s, he took over the running of that local branch, the Hills Christian Life Centre. And Brian started changing the format of the meetings and made them much more contemporary. Another person we interviewed in our Seven Spotlight story was Jeff Bullock. So him and Brian were best of friends and Jeff Bullock was the musician. And he basically explains that he saw what was working in the Castle Hill RSL contemporary music and he brought that into the church context because up until then, a lot of church music had been really daggy and stale. And this really worked. They started attracting huge numbers to Hills Christian Life Centre and then they started putting on this annual conference called Hillsong, where people from all different Pentecostal churches would come together and basically put on a big Christian rock show. And then eventually the Hills Christian Life Centre got so successful and the conference got even more successful that they changed the name of the church to Hillsong. We had this above ground swimming pool. Funnily enough, we come across the photos of us sitting around it and we're floating around in, a, in lilos. And I said, Brian, let's call the music team Hillsong. And he said, why would we call it that? And I said, well, it sounds a whole lot better than the Hills Christian Life Centre music team. And he said, oh, okay. And that would have been December 84. I came up with, with the name. I just wasn't smart enough to copyright it. Yeah, Jeff Bullock 
said that it was kind of his idea um, to call it Hillsong mm. in the beginning and he's never really gotten credit for that. <laughs> Jeff described Brian, his mate, back in the day as being really cheeky and charismatic but then said as time went on, he became really intimidating. It was a bit of a, almost a a classic portrait of the strongman leader that on on one hand they're very warm and charismatic and they they bring people to their vision and they excite people and they motivate people but then they have this tougher side where if someone doesn't support their vision they can really muscle up and they have that emotional ability to just steamroll people and get on with achieving their vision but i think when you combine some of those personality traits, which I think in an old school way are these classic masculine sort of strongman personality traits. You combine that with success and you do gain a lot of power. And Brian Houston also was heavily influenced, as Jeff explained to us, by these American evangelical leaders who not only confirmed that his personality traits were what was needed to drive a big vision, but they also changed his view about money he ended up writing a book called You Need More Money. You know, the, the Bible says the money is the root of all evil. So Christians traditionally had been a bit shy about, you know, showing any wealth. Well, Brian Houston turned that on its head. He took this prosperity doctrine out of America and basically said, looking wealthy and living well is a sign to others that God has blessed your life. So it's good to have money. This was clearly something that resonated with heaps of people, at least for a while. Mm. I remember a bakery I used to visit in Sydney was right next door to a Hillsong church and you couldn't get a car park there. It was just so, so popular. And you described this moment in time as when Hillsong was absolutely at its peak. It was when that famous uh, moment when Scott Morrison appeared on stage with Jenny and Brian and Bobby. Tell us that story. Yeah, so those images are from 2019 in July. So Scott Morrison had just been re-elected. And remember in the lead up to that election, which no one thought he would win, he actually allowed the cameras into his own Pentecostal church in the Sutherland Shire of Sydney. And he put his hands in the air in that classic Pentecostal way and was really open with the electorate about his beliefs. And personally, I thought that was really brave of Scott Morrison just to be wide open with that. And I think he was rewarded because I think Australians respect people's religious beliefs. So soon after that election, Scott Morrison gets on stage at the Hillsong Conference with Jenny, Bobby and Brian, um, actually gives a prayer to the thousands of people there and is big upped by Brian Houston. So it was probably the peak of Scott Morrison's powers as well because... We all know what happened the next year. The pandemic hit and things got very ugly. It also got ugly for Brian Houston, but sooner than most people realised because one night after that conference, he ended up in the hotel room of another woman. He was intoxicated with alcohol and anti-anxiety medication. And the moments inside that hotel room have never been fully explained, but they cost Brian Houston the leadership of his own church two and a half years later. Yeah, and it's not just that that was the unravelling. There's also all this weird stuff about how Scott Morrison tried to get him invited to a dinner at the White Mm. House and then when he did go to the US, um, Brian Houston's spending over there. This Mm. is wild stuff. 
Yeah, so we had some fresh revelations of what actually happened in America. So, yeah, it made huge headlines at the time. So a few months after that Hillsong conference that Scott Morrison spoke at, this story broke that Scott Morrison had tried to get Brian Houston invited to Donald Trump's state dinner in Washington. Now, these are huge affairs. There are only two of these state dinners during Trump's term in presidency. Um, One was for France and one was for Australia. It came out that Brian Houston's name had raised eyebrows inside the White House and they'd struck his name off the invite list. The Prime Minister's office was really pushing for it. You know, it wasn't just that it was rejected and they said okay and moved on. They were really trying and lobbying to get um, Houston to come in as part of the delegation and the White House just felt uncomfortable with it. Initially, Scott Morrison and Brian Houston denied it, but a few months later, Scott Morrison admitted that he had tried to get Houston on. A few months later, Brian Houston actually gets into the Oval Office and we showed this clip that he posted on his social media at the time saying, never say never. Well, here I am at the White House. Never say never. And what we found out by seeing his credit card statements and a huge trove of documents were tabled in the parliament under privilege by Andrew Wilkie. So we had access to all this amazing stuff. Part of what we learned was that his spending in America when he travelled, Brian Houston, was unbelievable. So that Washington visit, he was in New York in the days leading up to it. He spent $11,990 at Tom Ford, a luxury fashion store. He stayed at the Soho Grand Hotel, um, a very fancy hotel. Um, Spent almost $7,000 for that stay. But he went to Washington again in August 2020, and he took a $55,000 private jet to get there. It turns out he'd been invited to attend Donald Trump's Republican nomination speech in August 2020 and thought it was necessary to spend that much money to fly just from LA to Washington and back. All right, where are we at now? Where are Bobby and Brian Houston now? Okay, so Brian Houston resigned as the leader of Hillsong um, last year in March. Bobby stepped down from her role as well. And then they went off the scene for a while. They popped up in America and Brian was preaching again. And then they came back and they held this event in Castle Hill wanting to rally their supporters. But very few people turned out and partly they were punked by a group of people who booked tickets, but they weren't real people and they weren't intending to go. They wanted to essentially sabotage the event. Eventually he held a third session saying anyone could come, you know, um, we've been stooged by these pranksters, but any, anyone can come. And very few people did. So it wasn't a good sign that there was a lot of support for him. And this was right before his court case, which started in December. So he's facing a charge of concealing a serious indictable offence of another person, that being a father, which carries um, a maximum sentence of somewhere between two and five years. So at the end of the three-week hearing, the trial is adjourned until June, so in just over a month, where we'll get final arguments and a judgment. For a while, Bobby and Brian went quiet and we didn't see that much of them apart from some social media posts. They'd sold their house and a bunch of their belongings, some of them very expensive and personal ones like high-end suits and high-end fashion. And then about a month ago, they, they turned up in America again and it came out that Brian had a drink driving charge there, a high range drink driving charge. 
but he was also preaching again. And so that's where our story concluded was looking at what he was saying in America. And some of the things he was saying on stage seemed quite tone deaf. All right. So reflecting on everything you know now, as well as your personal experience growing Mm. up in a Pentecostal church, do you think Hillsong was started with good intentions? Was it ever about Christian values and helping people find connection and community and uh, I guess that spiritual connection too? Or, or was it always about power and ego? No, I do definitely think there were really good motivations behind it and that these people truly believe that this formula for modern Christianity would bring more people to have a relationship with Jesus to find God. So I think the motivations were good. I think the problems were partly Frank Houston's pedophilia, which was always going to create massive problems, not just for the victims, but for anyone involved. Awesome work, Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a huge and intense journey. I think that having that personal background kind of changes the level of investment in the whole project. Listener.